These trucks are not just trucks. They are a lifeline. They are the difference between life and death for so many people in Gaza. On Friday, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres visited the Rafah border crossing. For two weeks after the war started between Israel and Hamas, no aid or supplies were getting to the people of Gaza. What we need is to make them move, to make them move to the other side of this wall, to make them move as quickly as possible and as many as possible. Rafa is where trucks carrying medicine, food and water were finally allowed into the Gaza Strip this weekend. It's the border crossing between Gaza and Egypt, and the only one not controlled by Israel. It's also the only crossing right now that allows any supplies into Gaza. But the border is being tightly controlled, and aid officials say that what has gotten through is not nearly enough. And people who want to leave Gaza are also trying to get out through the Rafah crossing. Today, The Globe's foreign correspondent, Jeffrey York, is on the show. He's in Jerusalem and has been reporting on what's been going on at the Rafah border crossing. I spoke to him on Tuesday evening, his time. I'm Maina Karaman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Jeff, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So the Rafah border crossing between Egypt and Gaza has been getting a lot of attention over the past week. A lot of that is because of the relevance of movement of humanitarian aid into Gaza, but it's also because of people trying to leave Gaza potentially through this crossing. Uh, before we get into this topic in depth, Jeff, I think we should just really start with the basics here. Can, can you describe where this border crossing is exactly? Yeah, the border crossing, the Rafah border crossing is in southern Gaza, between Gaza and Egypt. So traditionally, over the past you know, 15 years or so, 20 years, there's been three gates between Gaza and the rest of the world. And two of those gates uh, go into Israel. One of them is primarily for people, uh, and one of them is primarily for cargo and aid shipments and so on. Hmm. But uh, since the October 7th Hamas attacks on southern Israel, uh, those two crossings have been closed, and Israel has been adamant that uh, it, it will not allow any aid or any supplies into Gaza. So mm -hmm. that means that the only gate that can be opened, even theoretically, is uh, the Rafah crossing between Gaza and Egypt. Mm -hmm. So this is the only crossing that's not connected to Israel then? That's right. It was. It's the only uh, crossing aside from Israel. So uh, that's why it's important. It's seen as, uh, in many ways, Gaza's lifeline to the outside world. And Israel also controls the, the Mediterranean Sea, the coast there too as well. So we should, we should just say that's not even an option either. That's right. So who controls that crossing, the, the Rafah crossing, Jeff? Well, um, there are three of what I guess the UN calls stakeholders, Israel, Egypt, and Hamas. Hmm. Israel has doesn't really officially control that crossing because, of course, it's not in Israeli territory. But as a practical matter, Israel has a lot of influence over, over whether that crossing will be open or closed because Israel can bomb it or fire missiles at it any time. And they already have, over the past two weeks, two and a half weeks, 
they have sent several missiles uh, into locations close to the Rafah crossing, around the crossing or on the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, that understandably has made people nervous about reopening the crossing. And again, as a practical matter, groups that are trying to get the Rafah crossing reopened, including the United States, which has been lobbying very hard for this, as a practical matter, they have to deal with Israel. So the negotiations are with Israel and with Egypt. And of course, the third stakeholder is Hamas. And as a practical matter, they have a great deal of control over that crossing. But um, the real issue right now is getting agreement between Egypt and Israel and the United States, really, and the UN to allow uh, aid shipments to go north from Egypt into Gaza. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So this is between Egypt and Gaza, but there's a there's a few different stakeholders, as you said here. They're actually af- affecting the opening or the closing of this border. Uh, and, and just to be clear, when we're saying it is th- this crossing is closed, like what do we mean exactly? Well, uh, really, nothing has gone into or out of Gaza since October seventh until finally this weekend, when a small number of trucks were allowed in. Hmm. The other important aspect is that people are not crossing from Gaza into Egypt. So really, people in Gaza have no way out except through Egypt, and that border has been closed. Hmm. So today we know that this border has been vital to to getting any humanitarian aid into Gaza, uh, which has been very slow. Uh, you mentioned that this weekend there were some trucks that were coming through. Jeff, what, what has actually come through the Rafa crossing now? Um, well, on Saturday, there was 20 trucks uh, that came in. On Sunday, there was 14. And on Monday, again, there was another 20. So um, it's only a total of 54 in the Mm. first three days. And as the UN and other relief agencies have been pointing out, uh, that's a tiny fraction of what Gaza needs. Before the war, Gaza was getting hundreds of truckloads of aid and other supplies every day. Uh, So, you know, the UN has calculated that the amount of aid getting into, uh, in fact, the amount of of anything getting into Gaza in these daily truck convoys since Saturday is less than 5% of what it was previously getting on a normal day. So um, it's really uh, only a trickle of what Gaza needs. And what are some of the supplies that we're talking about that are actually coming through on these trucks and that are so badly needed in Gaza? Yeah, so, so far it's been food, medicine, and water. So like and, really the basics here we're talking. Yes, exactly. And even those basics, it's been quite minimal. For example, water. In the first convoy, the according to the UN, there was uh, 44,000 bottles of water in the first convoy. That might seem like a big number, but in fact, it's only enough for 22,000 people in Gaza to have drinking water for a single day. So it's really a tiny, tiny uh, drop in the ocean. Because there's something like 2.3 million people in Gaza, right? That's right. 2.3 million people in Gaza. Uh, And even if you gave all those water bottles to people in in Gaza on Saturday, it would only be a tiny, tiny percentage, like 22,000 out of 2.3 million who would Mm -hmm. get water. I also want to ask you about fuel, because this is not something that you mentioned is actually coming through the border crossing. Why Why is fuel not being allowed through? Well, Israel is refusing to allow fuel to come in. And that's because they say that it can easily be diverted to Hamas to use for their rockets and their other uh, operations. So Israel has been adamant that it will not allow fuel to come in. 
Uh, and this has been a big point of contention because the UN agencies and even now the United States have been very clear that without fuel, you cannot operate water pumps, you cannot operate uh, desalination plants that uh, create drinking water from seawater, you cannot operate ambulances, you cannot uh, transport aid uh, north from the Rafa crossing. So mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't be able to properly distribute the aid if there's no fuel. And the number one issue, of course, is that hospitals cannot operate without fuel because they're dependent on generators, uh, power generators, which are running on fuel. They don't have electricity. Electricity is being cut off as well. So um, fuel is absolutely crucial for uh, any distribution of humanitarian aid and for healthcare and water in Gaza. So, Jeff, you said only only dozens of, of trucks of supplies are getting through. Hundreds are, are, are needed, actually, to, to supply the needs of the people there. Uh, why, why is aid taking so long to get through, and why is not enough coming through? Uh, well, that's a, a really complicated question, but it, it seems pretty clear that one of the big reasons is Israel is still very, very suspicious of aid. Over the years, it has been suspicious that uh, somehow military equipment or other equipment for Hamas has been getting in through these supply shipments in some way. And, um, you know, since October 7th, of course, it's been very adamant that uh, nothing will get into Gaza that could benefit Hamas. So what it's doing right now, the arrangement right now, is that every truck will be inspected by the Israelis before it can be allowed into Gaza. Now, that's a complicated process. You know, Israel is not permanently in Egypt, of course, so they have to uh, get the each truckload of aid to be inspected somewhere in Israel, and there is a, a border um, a border station, a terminal on the border of Israel and Egypt. It's about forty kilometers away from the Rafah crossing. So the procedure right now is very complicated. First, the aid is flown into uh, an airport in Egypt. Then it gets put into trucks, and right now there's hundreds of truckloads sitting at that airport waiting for permission to get into Gaza. Then it gets taken to this um, border station, this terminal, where Israel inspects uh, and verifies everything on all those trucks to make sure that they're uh, satisfied that there's nothing in the trucks that could benefit Hamas. Hmm. Uh, Then from there, they go another 40 kilometers to the Rafah crossing itself. So that's one reason why the number of trucks every day has been quite, quite minimal. But, you know, we also don't know to what extent Hamas is uh, itself is slowing it down. And, of course, to what extent Egypt has been kind of limiting the aid supplies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own concerns about how open that border should be. And over the years, of course, they have often restricted that border. And uh, now they have even more concerns. Yeah. So with, with such few supplies actually coming in to, to Gaza, Jeff, I mean, what, what has this meant for the people who are in Gaza? Uh, well, it's been a, it's been a disaster. Um, the uh, you know the 2.3 million people of Gaza are rapidly running out of uh, food and water and medicine and and fuel. Um, there are some stocks of fuel that are still left, but it's uh, believed that the the fuel will run out in in a matter of days, which means that the hospitals will have to shut down. You know, a number of hospitals have already shut down. On the food side, we know that food is running out as well. Uh, a number of bakeries have been forced to close. That's largely, again, because of a lack of fuel. Uh, but without the bakeries, people in Gaza have been lining up for up to five hours just to get bread. So so food is a major concern. Medicine is, again, being a major concern. Um, 
We've got reports um, that doctors in Gaza are performing operations without anesthetic, wow. uh, with you know, patients uh, screaming in pain during these operations because there's no anesthetic. Uh, we've, we had a report from a doctor who posted a photo of a bottle of vinegar, and he said that that's what he's been forced to use, vinegar that he bought at a local store to uh, treat uh, infections. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're improvising as best they can, but uh, there's a real shortage of uh, medical supplies, and it looks like it's only going to get worse. I mean, people are uh, searching for water for sometimes hours uh, at a time. People are drinking dirty water sometimes. They're forced to drink whatever they have. It could be water that's contaminated with seawater or with pesticides. They're vulnerable to dehydration. Um, you know, it even affects things like food. Um, the UN has been pointing out that some of the early food deliveries have included things like lentils and rice. And in order to uh, consume lentils or rice, you need both water and uh, cooking fuel. Of course. And people don't have that. So uh, people are definitely paying a high price for the lack of aid. We'll be back in a minute. All right, Jeff, we've talked about aid getting into Gaza, uh, but now let's talk about people trying to cross the Rafah crossing the other way. We know that people are trying to leave, uh, including yes. over 350 Canadians who are trying to get out of Gaza. Uh, yes. what, what, is, what is stopping them from leaving? Uh, well, that's, a, again, a, a kind of a murky question, but we know some of the answers. We know that um, Hamas itself doesn't want very many people to leave. They're clearly a factor in this. And let's not forget Israel, too, because if there's a threat of uh, uh, firing missiles at the the road between um, Gaza and Egypt, then that's a factor as well. But, you know, the the real key player here is Egypt, because, you know, even if a few hundred people from Gaza were to cross into Egypt, let's say if the United States or Canada were able to get uh, their, you know, several hundred nationals or citizens from Gaza to cross into Egypt. Uh, the concern that Egypt would have is that once you open the border, once you open that gate for a few hundred people, you then could lose control of the situation. And if there's enough people panicking and desperately trying to get out of Gaza, then they could just force their way through as soon as you open the gate. Hmm. So it could become an uncontrolled situation. So that's one concern. You know, politically, Egypt does not want to be seen as collaborating with Israel on perhaps an exodus of Palestinians from Gaza, because um, that, you know, diminishes uh, the possibility of uh, the Palestinians having their own state. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that, Jeff? Like, why would letting people into Egypt be seen as, in a way, helping Israel? Yes. uh, You know, the the big concern would be that once they cross uh, from Gaza into Egypt, Israel would do everything possible, potentially, to prevent them from coming back. You know, the, mm-hmm. it, it might be a one-way street. Uh, that's the fear that people have. Now, there are many people in Gaza, of course, who who do not want to leave traditional land. They do not want to diminish the possibility of a future Palestinian state. So they, you know, many people are determined, determined to stay in Gaza no matter what happens. Hmm. Um, I guess what is Egypt's relationship with Gaza and the and the people that live there? I mean, is is there does does Egypt support one side or the other in this war? Well, you know, nominally Egypt supports the Palestinian cause, and um, in fact, you know, ever since uh, October seventh, there's been huge concern in Egypt, and you know, we did see uh, last Friday 
protests and demonstrations across Egypt, including in Cairo, with people, actually thousands of people, perhaps tens of thousands of people, bursting past the police lines and and going back to Tahrir Square, the heart of the uh, Arab Spring. Hmm. So that was the first time that they've been people have been back there for protests. And, you know, the current regime in Egypt, uh, President uh, al-Sisi, does not allow protests almost, you know, almost never. So it was very unusual that they allowed protests to take place uh, in support of Gaza, in support of Palestinians last Friday. And to some extent, the, the regime, President al-Sisi, uh, got ahead of the mood, basically tried to sort of almost capitalize on the mood by by making those, to some extent, a state-sanctioned or state-organized protest. So they were officially sanctioned in certain areas. And in a way, President el-Sisi was sending a message that he supports the cause by allowing these demonstrations. Hmm. So even while nominally supporting the Palestinian cause, uh, he has his own personal agenda, which would mean that uh, he doesn't want to offer refuge to 2.3 million people from from Gaza uh, for his own reasons, as well as for the Palestinian cause. So it sounds like it's a there's a bit of a political calculation then happening as, as well on the Egyptian side. Exactly. Yeah. He's got his own agenda. He He's concerned with preserving his power and uh, not allowing sort of wild, wild card factors uh, like Gaza undermining his power. So there's some reasons there for why Egypt doesn't want to open this border crossing and let people through. You also mentioned, Jeff, that Hamas doesn't necessarily want this border crossing open and have people go through. Can you spell it out for us here? Why is that? Well, I think probably several factors. I mean, politically, of course, they would, uh, uh, or ideologically, they would argue that uh, uh, Palestinians should not uh, leave their territory. But uh, the other factor, you know, we can't um, be too naive here. Hamas is operating within civilian areas in in Gaza, and Israel is accusing it of using human shields, basically. So if all the uh, civilians left Gaza, then it would be uh, much easier for Israel to use military force against Hamas. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So movement from the the Rafah border crossing, uh, both in terms of aid going into Gaza and of people trying to to leave Gaza, it's proving to be difficult in, in both directions. Uh, Jeff, is is there a sense that things will change on either of those fronts in the coming days? Well, we do know that uh, there's been a huge amount of pressure, both from the U.S., from other countries, including Canada, and certainly from the U.N. and from other relief agencies to, to get uh, a bigger flow of humanitarian aid. Um, you know, US, the U.S. and Canada have been quite open in saying that what's happening now is insufficient. What they're pushing for is consistent, large amount of aid crossing every day. And uh, basically, that would become a humanitarian corridor. And that's what they want. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through all this today. Thank you. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.